0: Welcome to the Legacy House Podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to go today, spend a little time uh, in, in the Word of God. Uh, I'm glad that it's sunny today, folks. Uh, it was, it was, I went out to pick up some food last night, and it was a great day, uh, all day. And then I literally pull up to the restaurant to pick up some food, and as soon as I park my car, the bottom drops out, and it's like, you know... Hurricane Ivan all over again. Just rain all over the place. Like, what in the world? Uh, so then I got soaked, and we'd been driving all day. We drove back from Louisiana yesterday. We had uh, seen Bethany's family kind of celebrated all of the little babies' birthdays. We had a lot of babies, or a lot of birthdays in February, so we kind of celebrated everybody's birthday. So you know, you, you know how you have those days when you've been driving for a really long time, and you just want to kind of relax, and then one thing leads to another, and you get rained on, and your car's dead at the airport. Just kind of one of those things. So that's like, it was one of those, I was like re- so excited to be home. We made great time, and then I got home, and I was just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And so you have to just sit at home and take a, take a quick breath. But uh, we, had a, we had a busy weekend. Hopefully you had a great weekend as well. And uh, like we said, we had an awesome Sunday last Sunday, inviting Uh, inviting people and feeding everybody. And we wanted, like we said, we want to see God move in in people's lives, not just at the big moments, uh, but continually. Uh, We serve a God who is ready to move in my life and in yours right now. Um, I think we can often believe in uh, our our culture, our our background, maybe what we've even experienced in church before, can kind of put us in this position and place mentally where we think the setting has to be right um, for God to move. Uh, we think that the, the lights have to be a certain way, maybe a song has to be on that we love, maybe whatever, and, and it really is not found that way in the Word of God. What you find is, is that God can move at any time and at any place. He's not restricted to a location. He doesn't only speak inside of the church. He, does, he speaks everywhere. He wants to interact and intervene with you at every area and every turn of your life. So Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to go and uh, spend a little time this morning. and Hopefully you're getting excited and ready for Easter uh, are, are you, are you ready for Easter? Oh, nice. See, okay, we tell people all the time that the, uh, the 6 p.m. service is the rowdy service. Um, the 6 p.m., we have a, a 10 a.m. and a 6 p.m. and the 6 p.m. service is a, is our, is our rowdy and loud service. And we're, it's not necessarily. We're just going to keep saying it till it's true. So, uh, uh, what, what we what we, we have the opportunity is is we have the opportunity as a ten a.m. service uh, to be even louder than the six p.m. service. Something like I go to both. Uh, like, uh, but uh, we uh, we we believe that a, a living church is a loud church. Oh, yeah. like three people. Like some are like <laughs> some are like I'm Episcopal. Like whatever. <laughs> I thought this was St. Mark's. Um, but we're, we're glad that you're here. And look, hey, uh, we, we, we're going to believe God's going to speak to you today. So Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to go. We're going to read a few verses here, uh, starting in verse 18. If you don't have your Bible, they'll have it for you up on the screen. Uh, in verse 18, Luke chapter 7, it says this. It says, the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him. He said, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? I'll just put a, a pregnant pause right there for a second and think about this. That's a very interesting statement for John the Baptist, the man who like, baptized Jesus to say, Hey, are are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should I just keep looking for somebody else? Like, are you the guy, or, or is there someone, someone better coming after you? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, evil spirits, and restored sight to many who are blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who don't turn away because of me. Another weird statement. Jesus is telling them to go back and tell John all these things that just happened. He says, God blesses those who don't turn away because of me. This is Jesus speaking here. He's speaking in first person. He's not talking about like um, that, that bad leader that we had one time or that horrible church experience uh, uh, you know, that, that drove you crazy and, and, and caused you to leave the church for years. He, he, he's talking about Jesus, like the perfect spotless unblemished lamb of God and he says look God blesses those who aren't turned away because of me Jesus God he he blesses those who who aren't scared off from Christianity because of Jesus and it's an interesting statement this is really kind of where we're going to we're going to dive down into these next few verses over the next uh, over the next about 25 30 minutes here but I really want us to understand what 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 is happening here between Jesus and John's disciples it's an interesting verse because I told Bethany last night after we got home, and um, we were talking about the message and just kind of sharing about what I thought and what she thought, and kind of going back and forth. And just it's I'm a I'm a a verbal thinker, and so I think best when I can kind of talk it out with somebody and uh, or talk it out with myself if I have no somebody's at that moment. just were sitting in the car. I'm like, so what if uh, like? And, and I'm a kind of a verbal thinker, so we kind of talked back and forth about the message and different things. And one of the things I said was, it's interesting to me because I've I've never, I mean, I've been in full-time ministry now for, um, for about f- five weeks, Not sure. like, uh, you're like, first time here, you're like, oh my gosh. Uh, like, I, I, I've been in full-time ministry now for a little over a decade, and I've never preached on this section of verses. And, and it's interesting to me because I, don't, I, I can't remember a message that I've heard being preached on this section of verses because it's kind of this weird interaction here uh, between Jesus and John the Baptist's disciples. It's really interesting, if you really think about it, because here's John, and we, 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 we know, and if we don't know, I'm going to help explain it to you, the role that John played in Jesus' life and kind of the relationship and the history that they had there together. And then all of a sudden, we find John in this very odd, confusing moment where he's asking, Are you the Messiah, or should I keep looking for someone else? Then he sends his disciples on this recon mission to go check out and see what Jesus and his guys were doing. So they come back and report like, you're never going to guess what they're doing. And so they all get excited and like flustered and just everybody's all kind of worked up here in this moment. And then all of a sudden you come all the way back down to that spot. And he says, and God blesses those who don't turn away because of me. It's interesting because I believe that what Jesus is trying to help these disciples and John the Baptist in turn understand is that there's a lot of times that we have a perception of Jesus that maybe is not the reality of Jesus. I'm gonna gonna let that sink in for two seconds and it's gonna bless your life. I believe that we often have a perception of Jesus that's not the reality of Jesus. Because why would Jesus say, God blesses those if I don't repeal you or if I don't push you away, repulse you from the kingdom of God? It's because in that time, the culture that had led up to this moment with hundreds of years of Jewish culture and tradition that had taught these thoughts and ideas about the relationship of the Messiah, what the Messiah would look like, he was going to come back with a sword in his hand, and he was going to swing that thing. He's going to kill everybody. Everybody's dead. You know, it's like the Old Testament principle. Like they're 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 carrying that into the New Testament theologies. He's going to just murder everybody. He's going to be out there killing everybody, establishing different rule and reign. Well, the problem is, is when Jesus. Jesus showed up, things looked a little bit different. He didn't come out of the womb like it would have been really cool if you think about it. It would have been really cool if he would have come out of the womb like with a baby sword. You know what I mean? Like if he was born of a virgin birth, he could have come out with a sword, right? That's not impossible, right? So he, he, he it, like they didn't like the, 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 the three wise men as they came, they didn't come like Bearing gifts of, like, swords and nunchucks and throwing stars. Like, this is for your overthrow. Like, that wasn't, this wasn't the moment that, like, was being created here. But that's really, in a lot of regards, as crazy as that sounds, is almost what the Jewish people believed would happen. They believed that he's going to come back and he's going to kick everybody's butts. He's taking names. Like, this is, like, it's almost like, and really in those last couple hundred years so to speak in leading up to this moment there there's this spot where it begins to get really tense between the old if you don't know this between the 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 end of the old testament and the beginning of the new testament there's what's referred to as the 400 years of silence where god spoke to no one for 400 years no one not 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 priests at that time, not apostles, not, not the prophets of that day. No one. No one heard from God for 400 years. Can you imagine that like in our world today? If we lived the next 400 years never hearing from God, never, never sensing or feeling anything from God, Never like raising our hands and feeling the love of God or, or feeling the joy or peace of God in a situation. No presence of God for 400 years. And it leads up to this moment, the beginning of Luke. And Luke was a doctor himself. If you don't know that, Luke by, by trade was a doctor. That's why the book of Luke is one of the most detailed books in the entire gospel. It's because every single detail mattered to Luke. He often tells stories in far more detailed context than the other gospel writers do. And Luke here, he writes this story, and he actually spends a lot of his book, uh, really even all the way up to this point, John the Baptist is referenced a lot throughout the first few chapters of the book of Luke. And he tells about John, uh, John the Baptist being prophesied, his birth being prophesied, and, and, and then, then Jesus' birth being prophesied. And then when, when Mary came uh, to tell Elizabeth that she was pregnant with Jesus inside of her womb, it says that, it says that John leapt in Elizabeth's womb. That when, when, when Mary spoke and said that the angel had come and said that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world, John the Baptist, this baby inside of the womb, leapt when he heard that Jesus was coming. That's amazing, right? So, like Jesus and, and John the Baptist, they have a they have a connection, like from the, like the womb level of life, right? Like your your mom or your aunt probably didn't go tell someone about you being born and like you leapt inside of like her stomach. It'd be weird. It'd be the taco she ate, probably not the Holy Spirit speaking uh, to to her. But what happens is, is the baby leaps inside of inside of the womb, and, and and Jesus and John, they kind of were set on this course together for the life and the ministry that they were going to do. John the Baptist. Uh, if you don't know, you can read in the beginning of the book of Luke. He, he became a powerful, dynamic evangelist. He, he was really kind of uh, uh, the most uh, dedicated, set-apart, uh, radical, if you will, man of God at that time. The Bible says that he wore a, a camel-haired girdle uh, around his waist. That's, that's what, maybe he had a, like, a little bit of a belly issue. I don't know. Like, but he, he had a camel-haired girdle. The Bible says that he ate uh, locust and wild honey, and he, he lived out in the desert, like he just lived like in the wilderness, like he he was just a like a a a, 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 a rugged like just man, like this was who John the Baptist was. He wasn't like the soft spoken, like tender, like he's not painting, right? Like he's not over in the corner like painting pictures. Not if you know painting pictures makes you tender. I'm just saying, like it's not what John was doing. John was like munching on locusts, like it'd be like that guy, like you're talking about, you know, how you like to listen to, you know, to albums on vinyl. And he's like, I don't even listen to music. Like, that's kind of like who, he's like, I just hum to myself. Like, that's kind of John the Baptist there as the comparison. He was this, like, just tough, dedicated, set-apart man of God. Like, if, if, if it was detracting him from who God wanted him to be, he wanted nothing to do with it. And not only did he not want anything to do with it, but he didn't want anything to do with any part of it. And it's interesting because I think we can look at John the Baptist and I wanted to talk about him just briefly before we dive into this text because it's important that we don't just go through these next few verses and think, wow, John, man, pff, what a horrible guy. What a horrible You baptized Jesus and now you're doubting the Lord? Like, how does that work? No, John the Baptist was a hungry man for the presence of God. But what happened to John is what often happens to so many of us is that doubt creeps in. Today, we're going to spend a little time, we're going to talk about doubt. How do we, how do we deal with doubt? How do, we, how do we deal with the fact that, that what I want to see might not be what I am seeing? How, how do we deal with the fact that, that God can sometimes seem very distant and not very near? How, how, how do we deal with the fact that we feel like we've been in the midst of 400 years of silence and... and, and, and Almost isolation from who God is. How do do we deal with doubt? Because I believe that we have to understand really what this word is saying and what this story is saying. Because if we understand the story, then we can understand how to overcome doubt. We can understand really the direction and the path that God wants to lead us into. Because I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I have doubted the Lord. I've doubted the Lord. And I thought, God, I I don't know where you are. I don't know that you honestly even care right now about where I am. Because everything that I see shows me otherwise. I've been in that spot. I've been in John's place. I, I've sat right there, and I've thought those thoughts that John was thinking. Here you understand. John, he begins to, in the beginning of look, he, he begins to attack Herod because Herod is sleeping with his brother Philip's wife. And, and as, he, as he begins to attack Herod, he, the next thing after he talks about his issue with Herod is he then finds Jesus at Bethany, and he baptizes Jesus at Bethany. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, what happens is is John baptizes Jesus just like he's baptizing so many other people. That was his thing. John the Baptist, and so as he's baptizing people, and they're going through the line, here's Jesus, he baptizes Jesus, and, 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 and as Jesus comes up out of the water, all of a sudden, the Bible says that the heavens split, a dove descends, and the audible voice of God the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a powerful moment, folks. Like, that's a, that's a moment that you are going to remember. You're going to tell somebody about that. Like, you're, you're going to think about, like, that's a moment that Everybody there is aware of what just happened. No one there was like, nah, I didn't feel it. I went and, you know, I've seen better. I've seen better. like, I'm going to go back to my other, like my my other baptism pool. Like, nah, this is like, we have like three doves at my other baptism. This is just one dove. No, like this is... That's not what's happening here, right? It's like the most, one of the most like, magnificent moments in all of the Scripture. Here's Jesus just walking up to be baptized by this earthly human individual. Like, you understand that, right? Like, the Savior of the world, like the, pop, the, the, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, all of a sudden shows up and asks a man to baptize him. They'd be like, like, I don't know. It's funny because when you baptize people, it's, it's just baptism. We're going to be doing baptisms the, actually the week after Easter. So if you've never been baptized, uh, I would encourage you to do that. It's going to be the week right after Easter. We're going to be baptizing folks, and uh, it's going to be awesome. But it's funny because baptism is, it, it is, is not necessarily one of the most glamorous things. It's not even necessarily a supernatural thing. It's not that you come up out of the water uh, somehow... Uh, um, physically different than you were before but what it really is is it's a it's a biblical sign of surrender it's a biblical sign it's a public sign that the internal decision that i've made inside of my life is now public and it's now public in front of those that i love all of those that I, i uh i cherish and really that's what it is it's the sign of it's the symbol of your your old life is buried and your new life is raised again you've been you've been raised from death to life. It's the principle of baptism. And so here's Jesus. He walks up, and people are getting baptized. He's the next in the line. One, uh, one of the Gospels talks about how John noticed him as he was coming, and he began to say, look, I'm, I'm not even worthy uh, uh, to, 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 to wash your feet, to wear the sandals that are on your feet. I, I'm not even worthy to do the least like, and most menial task for you, let alone baptize you, as somehow I have authority over you. But Jesus gets in the water. He gets baptized. The heavens split. The dove descends. The voice speaks. And then here we find John in chapter 7. We find him in this moment and in this time where all of a sudden, for whatever reason, something has begun to shake a little bit in John's life. Really, a lot of theologians think about it in a lot of different ways. One of the things is, is that almost immediately after John the Baptist baptized Jesus and raised him out of the water, he was imprisoned by Herod. You know, it'd be kind of interesting if you think about it. If you're John the Baptist, you know, here you were, you like, you like even leapt for Jesus in the womb. Like, you were, you know, you were excited about his ministry. Like, you you were raising up people. You were the one who was going to prepare the way for the Messiah coming after you. And then all of a sudden you get thrown in jail and Jesus is doing all these miraculous things, but he never comes and bails you out. Like, he doesn't just show up to the prison and say, John, come forth, and all the gates fly open and John walks out and he's like, thanks, man. Like, that's not what happens here. John's sitting in jail and his disciples are running around like, man, you're never going to guess what Jesus is out here doing. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We were just baptizing folks. We were, we were a one-legged stool. Some of you go, the stool thing's going to stick with you all day. And I don't get it for three legs. You're like trying to do the math on it. Like, hold on. Wait, so it's like we were baptizing people. We were seeing people saved. This guy's out here. He's raising the dead. The blind are seeing. The lame are walking. Lepers are getting healed. Like I'm just telling you, there's there's some stuff going on. And you can almost kind of sense it in, in the tone of the disciples. In verse 18, it says, Then the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for the two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord asking, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? That's a powerful statement. John was there at the baptism, folks. John heard the voice of the Lord say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This this is, like, he saw the dove descend. He he had a powerful, life-changing encounter. He knows this is the Messiah. But yet, for whatever reason, something has now happened in his life and all of a sudden he's like, look, are you really the guy or should I just keep looking for somebody else? Expectations are a powerful thing because because expectations can set you up for failure or they can set you up for success. You can have the wrong expectations and receive something that you think is right for your life. Custom was there had become, they had spent so long thinking, imagining, wondering what it was going to be like when Jesus came and when the Messiah came that all of a sudden, when he came, It wasn't like the story. It wasn't like the, 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 the life that had been concocted at all. You ever like, you ever been going somewhere for the very first time and you kind of imagine what it's going to be like? And then you get there and it's nothing like what you thought it was going to be like. And it's like, this is going to be sweet. And you walk in like, this is not sweet. Like, you just have, like if you have the, those moments or maybe the, like the first time you went on a, on a date uh, maybe you went on a blind date. I'm not going to have you raise your hand for everybody in here who's ever been on a blind date. But you go on a blind date, and you're all excited, and you're amped up. You're like, the possibilities are, are, are limitless. And then he walks in, and the possibilities became very limited. You're like, nope, nope. I just hope he pays, and I'm out. Like, you know, like, it's, it, it, it's because our expectations, we can create this whole big thing. Or you ever hear somebody, you ever talk to somebody on the phone, and then you meet them in person? Like, and it, like because of their voice, you have a perception of what they look like. You you create an image of them just around what you hear. Often in our lives, that's how we operate with the Lord, is that we hear a lot of things about him, but because we've never physically seen him with our own eyes, it's easy to create a reality of who God is that might not actually be who God is. You do understand that Jesus wasn't the only person named Jesus in this time. It wasn't there like, Jesus, oh my... Who? That's a great name. That's a great name. Never heard it. No, there was other people named Jesus in this time. So you have to understand that a lot of factors are playing into here. That when you look at the life of Jesus, especially in his early years and early ministry, there's nothing about it that necessarily screams Son of God. There's no, like he. He would go and he would school people at the synagogue, and, and that was pretty great. Like, I, 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 I want to know what happened between about 13 and 30. Like, that's the question, first question I'm going to ask, like, when I get to heaven. It's like, tell me about that time. Because I almost feel like Jesus did a lot of, like, goofy stuff during that time. They're Like, we're not going to put that in there. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think he, I, I, like, I imagine him, like, working out, like, what it is to be the son of God. Because there is reality to the fact that Jesus had to wait till 30 so that he could walk in the fullness of the maturity that God had given him. Jesus, like, was he capable at 15? Maybe. Was he ready at 15? No. Was he capable from the womb? Yes, because everything that God was was inside of him. He was capable. He had all of the knowledge. He was completely divine while yet completely human. He was all of these things, but then all of a sudden, you find him in this spot where he waits until he's 30 to actually step out in ministry. And how crazy would that be if you went to a church and they said, look, we want you to serve, but you cannot serve until you're 30. He had to sit on the bench for 10 years. A lot of people would have a very difficult time with that. And here's Jesus, and he's led to this moment, this spot. And you find John, and John sends the disciples, and he says, look, are you what we've been looking for? Are you what we have been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? And Jesus goes on down. Look in verse 21. It says, at that very time, it's important that you understand the actual wording that's happening there. That's not like figurative. That's not like, uh, uh, it's, not, it's not using a, a non-literal sense of time there. Really what that's saying is, is that at that very time, at that very time. I know it's, I just blew your mind with your You're the, oh, theology. Uh, like, this wasn't like something that happened weeks later. This wasn't something that happened over the next day. This wasn't something that happened throughout time and history. This happened in that moment. The disciples come, you love this, like the disciples come, they pose this question to Jesus, say, hey, uh, John wanted us to ask, not us, John, not us, John said, uh, are you the guy we've been looking for, Or or should we just keep looking for somebody else, and it says that at that very time, Jesus, he cured many people of their diseases, their illnesses, their evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind, then told John's disciples, go back and tell John what you've seen. Love this moment because here's Jesus, the disciples come up, they question his deity, they question who he is as God, and then all of a sudden he just turns, he doesn't get angry, he doesn't get frustrated, he doesn't call out their sin, he doesn't, you know, begin to stoop down in the dirt and write things like he did with the other Pharisees and people like question what all he was saying, writing all their sins out. No, no, no. All he says was he begins to turn and he immediately begins to heal people. I love that when they found Jesus, they didn't find him hidden away somewhere in private. They found him in a place that had opportunity for him to make an impact. Often we sit somewhere way back in the background of our life, waiting for God to call us into the game, waiting for God to get us actively involved in what's happening. And really, what we mistake here is with the Lord is that he found himself around people who needed to be impacted. They didn't have to say, Hey, could someone go get us Jesus? Like, where is he at? Like, it wasn't like that. You know how you, there's some people who disappear? Like, Bethany says that I disappear all the time. Like, at the end of a service, I just like, because like, I'll be over here talking to this person, and I'll just dramatically go to somewhere else, and like, I'm just kind of all over the place. And Jesus, he really wasn't like that in a lot of regards. They didn't have to search for him, hunt for him. Jesus wasn't like recluse somewhere and decided that he would come out in his own time. It says, no, really, we, we can take from the word that he was around this large group of people who needed something. He began to speak and they began to get healed and people who were demon-possessed began to be set free. People who were blind began to see. The lame were walking. The lepers, their skin was was healed and was cured. and, 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 And then it says, lastly, that he preached good news to the poor. Then Jesus responds. I love the fact that Jesus preceded his response with action. I'll tell you this. In regards to doubt, first thing is this, is that questions, questions do not equal compromise. I'm somehow evil. When we begin to, exp- because I, I have a question about all this, I've somehow compromised. That Because I, I'm unsure of some things, I, 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 I should be rebuked rather than loved. It's interesting because Jesus, he's not thrown by John's question. I would have been thrown by John's question. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I would have looked at John's question. and I'm like, how could you think that? You know me, like you know, like you have those like those like those, it, uh, passionate conversations. I have, I have dramatic and passionate conversations sometimes, often by myself, uh, about how I would really have the conversation with a person, but I really don't ever have it that way. Like, come on, like you know, like super animated, and. If it was me and I was in that position, I would have been frustrated because I'd have been like, how dare you question me as the son of God? Like, I, you know, I would have had lightning bolts flashing everywhere and, you know, I'm like, I, I am the son of, you bet, you saw the dove. Like, I, we brought a dove down so you could see this thing and now you're not believing that I'm the son of God. What more do you need? But That's not Jesus' response at all. The disciples say, hey, it's not us, John, questioning. Jesus turns, he heals all the people, all these things, preaches to the poor, turns back around and he says, hey, uh, go and tell John. He, he gives him some very clear instruction that we want to see there. He says, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard, the blind see, the lame walk, the, lefer, the, the lepers, <laughs> uh, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking to him about, talking to him, or about him to the crowds. Here's what's really interesting. is the fact that we can sometimes begin to be sidelined by our questions. and We can begin to think that if I have a question, somehow I've allowed compromise. Jesus is not intimidated by your questions. And anyone who is intimidated by your questions is not truly in relationship or in an understanding of what God wants to do in regards to doubt. John the Baptist at this moment in time was sitting in prison. Every theologian agrees on the fact that for whatever reason, John's disciples had complete and open access to him in prison. I, I, you can't really find record of it or, or historical precedents for it anywhere else in the Word of God. But, but for whatever reason, John's disciples had complete open access to go in and out of the prison as they pleased to see and to interact John. So John was actually running his ministry from inside of the jail, so to speak. So here's John doing all these things. He's sitting in prison. Jesus is out there preaching all of these words and these messages. And, 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 and all of a sudden, this one who was supposed to be like the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who was supposed to be like have a sword in one hand, fire in his eyes, like riding like a horse and like three other guys on horses, and they're all going to come riding back and just, just totally decimate like the sin and the evil of the world, showed up really as a lamb. And all of a sudden now he's saying things like, let the little children come to me. And it's messing with John's paradigm of what the gospel is and who Jesus is, because all of a sudden, like, I thought he was going to set up a throne. I thought we were going to establish a kingdom. I thought we were going to put people in order. I thought we were going to do all these things. And I I don't understand. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says if you have a question, you have somehow allowed compromise. But the interesting part of having a question is whether or not you're teachable to the fact and you're willing to believe and understand what the Word of God actually says. I've met a lot of people who've approached me with questions. And a lot of times, people have approached me with loaded questions. They ask a question that they've already got the answer to. They're just coming to me to see what I say. And they're coming to me to see what I say because what I say determines their response. They're like, you know, it's it's like someone brought a knife, you know, to a gunfight, and so you come in and you're like, uh, you give them your answer, and they're just ready to unload. Like, nope, this is what we're doing. Boom, boom, boom. I think it's this, this, and this. They didn't really want the answer anyways. John, he just, I, I don't, I don't. John was a man of God. Let's don't get that twisted. He was dedicated. He was set apart. He lived a life that was holy. It goes all down through these things, and it says that Jesus began to talk to the crowds about him as his disciples left. This is the interesting moment, right? Like, this is the moment that Jesus is going to just unload on doubt, on confusion. He's going to just rip John a new one on what it means to not truly and fully believe in the Lord. Like, that's what he's about to do. Because somebody needs to learn that you do not question the Messiah. You've got to learn that if you're going to be a true disciple, if you're going to be a true follower of Christ, then doubt should be the furthest thing from you not actually what jesus says at all look down in verse 24 says after john's disciples left jesus began talking to the crowds about him he said what kind of man did you see go into the wilderness they're almost ready right like you could almost hear Jesus' disciples there probably was a bit somewhat on a disciple level of rivalry between these two ministries just like what happens in church, like, no, nah, like, that's cool, I've been there, it just really wasn't for me. Like, it's kind of this, like, internal struggle sometimes that you hear people from different churches, they compare and they'll contrast all these things, and that wasn't Jesus' heart, but you almost see this with the disciples, where they're ready, like, what kind of man goes in the wilderness? Like, yeah, what kind of man goes into the wilderness? Like, they're ready to see what Jesus says for slamming him, of taking these radical, like, uh, decisions and, and precautions in his life to be a man of God, and he, ke- he keeps on talking, goes all the way down, and he says, was he weak? as a reed swaying uh, with every breath of the wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures say, Look, I am sending the messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. Verse 28, it says, I tell you, all of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the, kingdom of, in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. I'm going to read verse 28 to one more time. It says, I tell you, all who have le- out of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. It's kind of this switch that happens here because all of a sudden they're like, yep they're doubting look at these disciples rolling up in here there's obviously a crowd of people so they heard what they said so now jesus has been publicly tested like he's been he's been publicly like Questioned. And so it's time for somebody to get notice served on them. So, look, we took your name. We took, like they're taking pictures of them, like they put it on the wall. Uh, like where they, I can remember this disciple. And he he's a little punk. He came over here one time. I'm going to cut his ear off. He comes here again. Like, Peter's like sharpening his sword, ready to go. He's like, look, let that dude roll back up in here one more time. Like he's, he's ready, right? Because he's like, no, look, you're not going to question the Messiah, even though Peter did it a thousand times. He's like, no, that's my God. Like, he, he, like you kind of feel this moment here, this tension, like this large crowd around him. And the disciples are questioning him. He says, look, what kind of man do you think goes in the It's Like, yeah, what kind of man? Like, is he easily blown, blown by like a, like a reed by every breath of wind? Probably, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like shouting all these things back. Yep, he is. Like, and all this stuff. And then Jesus gets down to verse 28 and he says, hey, look, but in all of these things, there's been no one greater ever born of a woman than John. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute though. Like, this is why the disciples ask so many questions. But go with me on this. The disciples asked so many questions because they did not realize that the questions that they were asking were the exact same questions that John was asking. It was wrong expectations. But God, I I thought, I mean, that was a perfect moment. Like, we had him like, was he a reed? Yep, he's a reed. Like, we were ready to go on this thing. Like, you were setting it up, but he's the greatest born among men? Like, John the disciples like, but I thought you though I'm the one you loved. Like he's like, but I'm the he like comes over and tries to lay his head on Jesus's chest. Like not now. Like he's like, he's like John. Like, like it's that moment. Like they have this moment where they're like, uh, but wait. Like it's this is not what I thought. I I. He questioned you, but Jesus could understand the difference between him questioning him out of resentment. What he was questioning from was the place of doubt. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I can promise you this, that whatever area in life that you're doubting today, there's an answer for your issue. If a question doesn't mean, questions don't always, they can, but they don't always equal compromise. The same way that there's an answer for every issue. You need to know today that the hope that comes from Jesus It's not just a hope that's like, "Mm, man, I love that. It's not like this like whispery, quiet hope. But it's a resounding hope that echoes through every area of your life. I don't know how as followers of Christ, we can remain silent. We told our home team this morning, we challenged everybody uh, two weeks ago. We gave out these cards and invited you today. We challenged people to invite you. Maybe you're here today because... Someone invited someone who then invited you today. Um, we challenged our people to, to break the rules of Christianity. And, and we're not talking about breaking theological rules. We're not talking about breaking biblical boundaries. But we're talking about breaking kind of the unspoken rules, the unwritten rules that are really unbiblical rules. So I'm going to invite somebody at Easter. I'm going to invite somebody at Christmas. And uh, I don't really like to pray, pray for people in public because you know, it's kind of weird. So I'll tell them like, man, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be praying for you. The Lord really convicted me one time as a youth pastor. A young guy came up to me and he was crying at the end of a service, about 17. He was walking through some stuff and there was a lot of people around and just a lot of chaos kind of happening as the youth service always does. It smells like taco meat, people running around everywhere. And, <laughs> and he was crying and he was talking to me about where he was going through. He's like, Can you pray for me? And I was like, Yeah, man, I'll be praying for you. And I just walked off. And I realized that what he wanted was not what I gave. What he wanted was for me to stop, take a minute, lay my hands on him like the Bible instructs us to do, and pray with him. I said, "Yeah, brother, I'll pray." Less important than taking a moment to pray with this guy. But here's what happens: you go on through the Word, and Jesus begins to talk about this. And I know this message maybe is a little bit different. It's not like, you know, eight points to success and then overcoming life, but, but I believe we have to understand what the Word says because I think the thing that's been resonating in my heart the most recently. Same with Bethany, is that I think we really don't understand the word. I think culturally, the struggles that we face as a society is not because the society is inherently more evil now than it was thousands of years ago. Every issue that they had, we have now, they had been. Um, so before we begin to think, well, it's worse than... I remember the good old days. There was no good old days. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. There was no good old days. We are in a fallen world that is not our home. We are we're sojourners. We're, we're just traveling through this life to make an impact and a difference. So before we begin to get depressed about where we are now compared to where we used to be, it doesn't matter the political parties that are in control. It, doesn't ma- it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. We can say that it does, and we can feel like it does, and sometimes we do because it, can, it seems like tangible victories, It's a victory I can see because it's much easier to win a victory I can see than a victory that I can't see. But the Bible says that I don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and things that are unseen. The doubt in your life might have a a, a tangible expression of it, but often it's something that started long ago internally. You understand that the right storm can rock any boat, the right storm can rock any boat. Like, we're not just talking about, like, sometimes we think that when our life begins to shake and we begin to feel down and we begin to be rocked to, the, like, to the left and to the right, all these different things, like, we begin to think that all of a sudden that must mean that my boat is too small, that I don't have faith, that I'm not believing that, oh, what's going on? Like, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Like, I must be out here, like, trying to survive in this little, like, you know, dinghy of faith, hoping that God saves me. Look, the greatest, largest ship, if the storm is strong enough, you'll fill it on the boat. There was a storm when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. So just because the boat of your life begins to rock doesn't somehow mean that God has forsaken you. Does not mean that you have now somehow failed because all of a sudden you're beginning to feel the waves under you a little bit. It doesn't mean that now, like God, where are you? And like God, I thought that you were whatever it might be, whatever your scenario and circumstance and situation is. Like we can begin to think that now because I can feel the waves now somehow God has departed. But often the storms in our life really are nothing more than an opportunity for God to show up and to show how he wants to move in us. To show how he wants to be contained and flowing through every single area of our life. Jesus says, he's like, look, John, he's the greatest guy to ever be born of women. There was no one greater than John. But then he says... But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. See, it's interesting because Jesus had not yet died on the cross and rose from the grave. So here's John, a precursor to the work of the cross. He was right before it. You know, like in a processional, like especially in that day, the person who was the closest to the king was the one who had the most authority. So when Jesus says something like, look, I'm sending the message ahead of you and he will prepare the way for you. Jesus is saying, hey, look, the only one who's number two to me is John. It was me and John and John cut out the path for me to come. So before we all get frustrated about the fact that John has a couple questions, let's remember who John is. He's not he hasn't lost who he is because he's concerned about where he's at. Some of you need to hear that. You need to hear the fact that just because you're concerned about where you are does not mean that you've lost the identity of who you are. Because look, I I need some things now being manifest in your life, what you thought I was going to be. Kind of what he's saying He's like, look, I get it, all right? Like, I I didn't show up with a sword. Like, I'm not out here doing, like, ninja tricks. Like, I'm I'm preaching to the poor. I'm believing that the blind can see. I'm bringing the dead to life. Like, I'm feeding those who are in need. I'm telling women about the fact that, like, if you want living water, come and drink from me. Like, I'm seeing those who are in adultery, saved, and set free. I get it. I've got some friends, and I hang around some people that you are not exactly the most fond of. Jesus doesn't say it here in this passage, but he said it elsewhere in the gospel. He said, look, it, it's, not, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. But in our culture, what we've done is we've begun to allow the verses, the, 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 the partial context to make uh, whole pictures for our life. Don't, if the Bible talks about, if you're struggling with, with, with doubt, don't just find one scripture on doubt. Find every scripture on doubt. Look through every single one and find the common denominator. There's a lot of cultural issues that happen. Like I, just, I don't believe I believe that that you know we talk about marriage equality a lot in our culture today. We talk about that fact of like well I just I think that love is love. Well the Bible says that marriage was set apart for a man and a woman. It doesn't mean you don't love somebody. It doesn't mean that you're a, you're scared or repulsed or afraid of or like you know you can't let them you know like we live in these weird mindsets but the fact is the bible is clear so just because it it, it cuts cross grain on what we feel doesn't mean that it's wrong and often in our life what we do is we read the scripture and like yeah that's good mm. he said oh yeah okay Bless pressed down, shaking together and running over. Like we love those moments. Like we're like, God, my Lord, you want to bless me and do something in my life. But then we read a verse we don't like. Like, well, that was for that was for them. That was for them. And you do have to understand, but at the same time, there's scripture that is completely black and white, and you'll you'll dig as deep as you want through culture and history, and you'll find that the same answer is true. We don't like that in our culture. Look, and it's it's not these young people. So please, if you're of the older generation, don't bash the younger generation. And if you're the younger generation, don't talk about the older generation being disconnected and not understanding the culture we live in. Please, either way, don't do it. Because what happens is, as a 30-year-old individual, I have to realize that one of the greatest things I can have in my life is some conviction. Some conviction. Because here's what Jesus is saying, like, look, What kind of guy goes and lives in the wilderness? What does Jesus talk about? He talks about his convictions. He talks about the things he was willing to do for the sake of the gospel. What kind of guy goes and lives in the wilderness? What kind of, like, what did you expect? Like, he he was hungry for me. He was passionate for me. I'm gonna read this down and then we'll close with this. The, um, The band can come back up. That God's way was right. It says, for they had even seen or they had even been baptized by John. Verse 30 says, but the Pharisees and the experts of religious law rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. Verse 31, it says, to what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked. Isn't it, like, isn't it interesting? He says, how can I describe them? They're like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends. We played the uh eating bread, and they didn't weep. He said, for John the Baptist did not spend his time uh, eating bread and drinking wine, but yet you say he's possessed by a demon. But then the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and others say that he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is to be shown right by the lives of those who follow it. Jesus said something that's really, really interesting here. Jesus even takes on a little bit of the controversy. He, can, you know, there's, he could hear what they were thinking, and he was like, he would respond to people's thoughts. Understand what was happening here in this situation. He says, look, he said, what do we we say about this generation? How do we we describe where you are? He says, look, he said, some of y'all, he said, you play a fast song and you want people to jump. Play a soul song and you want people to weep. What is Jesus really trying to say there is, he's saying that, look, you get frustrated when you don't get your way. It's really what he's saying. He's like, look, he said, how can I describe you? It's like someone playing a game. The whole thing's a game. Like if we play a wedding song, but you didn't dance and that, makes, that hurts my feelings. I played a wedding song, how could you not dance? And I played a slow song and you didn't cry. Oh, I really wanted you to cry. We can, he begins to speak not to the convictions of their life, but he begins to speak to their own fleshly emotions, their desire their want the thing that they were hungry for And he said look hey hey guys here's the deal you're getting angry because you're not getting what you want but john's sitting over here in prison the greatest born among women But even the person who will submit their life, because John lived a wild and crazy life, dedicated, set apart, hungry for God. And then he says, then the Lord says that even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. So he's like, take what John did, and it's amazing. Then add me into that mix. And you can far surpass who John is. It doesn't just say, the word didn't just say Hey, you know what? Even greater things you'll do than John. No, Jesus said, even greater things you'll do than me. He doesn't say that you're not going to walk through doubt. He doesn't say that you're not going to have moments in your life where you think, God, where are you? I was listening to a message on prayer the other day, and it was so great because it began to talk about this preacher began to talk about the fact that, that Jesus answered our prayer far before we ever prayed it before you ever knelt on your knees and said, God, I need you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I am a mess. My life is a wreck. He answered that prayer far before you ever knew you were going to pray it. He sent his son before the world, knew that it needed a Savior. But here we find ourselves in this moment he's preaching this message and he says, look, hey, hey, John, he doesn't eat bread and he doesn't drink and y'all attack him for his convictions. He doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And y'all say that he's demon possessed because he must be living under condemnation and, and religious restriction. And he said, I'll go to a feast and I hang out with, 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 with sinners and, and I find myself around people who, who might be uh, repulsive to you, but yet you say somehow that I, I'm a drunkard and I'm a glutton and, and, and I'm not the son of God. But the hook is this, the hook isn't... The, Jesus wasn't trying to set up a pro like like drink, non-drink or, or party, non-party or, or center, non center conversation. The point that Jesus was trying to make was the very last thing that he says there in verse 35. He said, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. This is great news and this is challenging news all at the same time. He said, because really what he's saying is the fruit of your life shows me who you are. You can have convictions that you loosely base on some scriptures, but you know what? If you're just an angry person, really, what does it matter? You can talk about forgiveness and tell somebody else how they need to forgive somebody all day long, but if you're still holding on to bitterness, really, what does it matter? Jesus is trying to say, look, I get it. John walked through doubt. John... He experienced some tough things. He's sitting in prison right now. Just because he has a question does not mean that he's disqualified. He says, because for every issue, there's an answer. And the very first thing that Jesus did was he reaffirmed the identity of John. He said, man, let me tell you about John. John's a man who loves me. He's laid down his life for me. He'll sit in the wilderness for me. What are you doing? You're angry because somebody doesn't stand up when you want them to stand up. Someone doesn't return your phone call, so you're going to go somewhere else. You're, you, you, someone didn't text you back immediately, so they must hate you. Like we, we, He's like, seriously, you're so caught in your feelings that you've never allowed your life to enter into the Spirit. God wants to lead us from our flesh to the Spirit. He wants to lead us into true, genuine relationship with the Lord. Because I can promise you this. It's funny to me because I, I, I've had, in this season, we've heard a lot of things, and, one of the things that I know has been challenging for some people is, is like, I mean, just look around the room to see how many people are here today and what God is doing. It's just amazing to see we're almost eight months in as a church and it's just crazy to see what God has done in such a short period of time. And it's weird to some people because sometimes it's easy to, to be the, you know, the frozen chosen. It's kind of the us for and no more. And so we all sit there our... and if I don't recognize everybody on my row, then, then then I'm just not comfortable with this because how do I know what they're struggling with? How do I know what they're struggling with? Like they're letting that person serve and they're probably still dealing with some stuff in their life. Well, guess what? So are you because you're judging everyone around you. I love the fact that I walk in almost every single Sunday and I see people that I'm like, I don't have a clue who that is. I don't have a, my dad will come, you know, when they're off the road. He's like, who is that? I'm like, I don't know. I I don't know. It's their first time here today. We're just here. I want to not know the people around me initially. I want to walk in on a Sunday morning and be like, I don't know that person, but I'm glad you're here. Because somewhere you heard that this was a place that even though you might know no one, or you might just know someone, that you're welcome. But you know what's so much greater than even that? The kingdom of God is the exact same way. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life, or by following us on social media under the handle at LegacyHouseFL. Don't miss next week's podcast, From Our House to Yours.